Welcome to part two of our Vikram episode. But before we go into real talk, it's time for PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on their exclusive patron feed. And we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. So, Alex, we're going to start, as we always do, with the ground floor, the dollar tier, the Travolties. What do you get if you're on the Travolties tier? Well, for a dollar, you get access to all the stuff that doesn't make it into the episodes, our cutting room floor segments, where we we just put everything that is relevant, that is fun to listen to, but just didn't quite belong on an episode. Uh, we just did the Double Indemnity episode, and there's about 15 minutes of Alex and I just being curmudgeons and railing against the new generation not appreciating older movies as they should. Mm-hmm. And that was like, some of it made it to the episode, but a lot of it was like, all right, maybe this should go to the patron so we can keep a real talk moving. So <laughs> you get access to fun stuff like that. There's also a, a bit where uh, Alex is wondering if Dame is a bad word or not in today's society. And we talk about that for a few not minutes. Not a bad word, just like <laughs> offensive, you know? Yeah. Well, if you want to know where that goes... <laughs> It goes uh, to the cutting room floor segment on our Patreon. So enjoy that. Uh, also accessible for a dollar is all our bonus episodes. And this month is an episode on One Cut of the Dead, a zombie comedy that was assigned to us by patron Ryan, who uh, told us to go in blind. And we did. And there was a very interesting discussion that followed that. Uh, so if yep. you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead yet... We strongly recommend you go in as blind as we did so that you are surprised. And then you can listen to our episode. If you don't care, you can listen to our episode and we'll just spoil it for you. Uh, So you get all that on top of access to, of course, past bonus episodes and past big projects that we've done, like the Rock vs. Cena maxi-series, the Lohan miniseries, the Summer Break miniseries. A lot of cool stuff on our our Patreon page, which also features collections. I'm, I'm working on it, Alex. I've collected the Lohan series and I've collected the the Rock versus Cena project that they all have like their own links so they're easy to find excellent uh, I think I'm gonna do a, a Contrarian's Patreon year one where I'm just gonna collect all the bonus episodes from the first year and then another one for year two just you know fun stuff for people that people that joined us on the third year and they don't want to scroll all the way down to the first year but they can just click on the collection and then they'll have access to all the, all the bonus episodes so cool stuff but you maybe you want more and you want to give us a little bit more money. So you can go up a tier to the Winonis tier or even higher. And then you get access to our pre-recording notes. You get access to our QVRs, the quick video reviews. As of this recording, we posted the dual QVR for Martin. And mm-hmm. we are about to post the dual QVR for Bones and All. Alex, at this point, probably because they're dual as the two of us together discussing this there's nothing quick about these video reviews anymore (laughs) (laughs) which is they're shorter than a full episode that's true that's true they're shorter than a full episode but still it's at this point i was joking with Corey, who's obviously doing a bang-up job of editing these and uh, i was telling him yeah we should probably just change the q to mean something else i like the term qvr as a as an abbreviation but for these maybe they can be uh, quantum movie reviews or quality <laughs> video reviews i don't know something like that there you go uh, anyway they're a lot of fun um 
just keep an eye out. The dual ones we're putting everywhere, um, and but then the regular QVR is always exclusive to Patreon, uh, like the Rainfield QVR that Alex did uh, last month. And then, of course, we have Contrarians After Hours. That's the spinoff where we tell you about other things that we're watching, that we're playing, that we're listening to, that we're thinking. So, Alex, what are you bringing to Contrarians After Hours this time? Well, Julio, as I mentioned before, uh, during COVID, there were a couple of video games that I just bought on a whim and were blitzing through, and I blitzed through a couple others just because they're kind of addictive. So I got a few more video games to talk about, but specifically, I will be talking about the recently released Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game and giving my official review on it as uh, obviously a diehard of the uh, original. It's not based on the franchise. It's not like the Friday the 13th where you pick Leatherface from one or two or three or you know yada yada. It's all based around the OG, uh, and there are some things put in there for fans, and it's... Uh, I have a lot to talk about, I guess, because it is by the same studio that made the Friday the 13th game, and it's uh, very similar with... uh, They did learn from some of their mistakes, but we'll be going uh, in deep on the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Not the Atari game, but the recently released uh, PS4, 5, Xbox. It's out there for everybody right now. So I don't think I'm going to convince you to pick it up and play it, but I think you'll enjoy... uh, (laughs) I can't play it at night. I will say that oh. I tried, and it's it's fucking scary. Can I play as Matthew McConaughey? I don't think there's any video game that you can play as Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> really, the Dallas Buyers Club video game? It's not a <laughs> faithful recreation oh, God. of the movie. The Dallas Dallas Buyers Club RPG. <laughs> Those cutscenes are just brutal. Um, all right. Well, I look forward to that. I, on the other hand, will tell you about. Two movies that are linked now in my mind because I basically watched them back to back. I I went to see the newest R-rated comedy, Bottoms. I saw that movie theater, mainly because there were a couple podcasts that I followed that were talking about it and kind of that caught my attention. You know, like the, the Jennifer Lawrence movie that we talked about not too long ago. That was... I feel like that was a big talking point. Like they got a big promotional push because yeah, it was Jennifer Lawrence. Of course it gets a lot of attention. Bottoms is like a smaller movie, but I think it falls along that line of (laughs) this, this attempt at an R rated Renaissance for comedies. And I wanted to do my part. It sounded interesting. These high school girls creating a fight club to get laid. I mean, it sounded like it was, it could, there could be something there. So I went and saw it and then came back and my wife had bought Barbie. Like it was available to buy on streaming. So she's like, it's here now. Anytime you want. And I was like, all right, let's watch it. So I watched Barbie right after. And they're both movies with very strong feminist stances, I feel. But they come at it from very different... <laughs> they have very different approaches to it. So it's it was an interesting double feature. I'll say that. And I'll, I'll elaborate on the after hours. But, you know... A few months ago, when we did the the Oppenheimer after hours, so we we said that eventually we would come around to doing a full Barbie after hours whenever you know I watch it. So now is the chance, Alex. Now you get to tell me really what else you thought about that movie. So Barbie, Bottoms, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. That is your after hours for this episode, uh, along with everything else that we talked about. So if any of that sounds interesting, just uh, go to our page, patreon.com slash contrarian prime. Look at our tiers and see if you would like to join the Contrarian Supplements. 
one dollar, three dollar, five dollars, and ten dollars are respective tiers. Uh, to any people that are on the fence about it, stay tuned. We got some enticing offers coming at your way uh, for potential patron projects, depending on the the feedback we get for it. So it's all there. Lohan miniseries, Roxena miniseries, everything dating back to our first ever bonus episode with our coverage of Blue is the Warmest coverage, like it was a live event. <laughs> our uh, <laughs> thoughts and review on Blue is the Warmest color. Uh, to all of our current patrons, bless y'all. We love you dearly. And like I said, for those of y'all on the fence, stay tuned. And if you're ready to make that jump, go ahead and do it. Patreon.com slash Contrarian Prime. Send us a buck. I think it's like 107 with tax our way. You won't regret it. You'll take a look around and you'll realize you need to bump up your your pledge or your your patronage because there's more more to be had. So again, to our current patrons, we love y'all and we're ready to get some more. So uh, stay tuned for what's on deck. Now, Julio. Uh, this was definitely nowhere near the worst movie we've done. I, but I, I legitimately think this was the hardest time I've had getting through it. Like I kept having to take breaks and we've mentioned at length already. And in our previous Tamil language, Indian films that we've covered, understanding the cultural ideology is different as far as filmmaking goes. I, I have to say that really had nothing to do with it. Karti was two and a half hours. Uh, Singham, uh, both of them were, you know, near three. And we enjoyed those to varying degrees. I I gave Karti four and a half stars in my review on Letterboxd. I thought that movie fucking ruled. <laughs> so I need to stress that this is not a cultural thing, even though understanding, again, that they make movies differently and for different purposes. But this was brutal. <laughs> I had such a hard time getting through this. I think like if you told it the amount of time of like me breaking and coming back to it and being like, oh, I can't do this. It, it would probably be double the running time of the movie of just like pausing and coming back, pausing and coming back, having to take a break. And it's it just would not end. And I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. So Curtis isn't like curious about my feelings on it. Um, <laughs> just ripping the bandaid off. Yeah, because I, and I want to stress again, it ain't Christmas with the Cranks. It ain't. It's certainly in Hancock as far as like all time worst movies I've seen in my life. But I just had an exceptionally hard time getting through it. I think and, and we're getting to some quotes in, in a minute, but just because I don't want to forget. I think a big part of it is the subtitles. I don't think the subtitles are good. You watch it the same way I did, right? You, you watch it on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I got the feeling that whoever did the subtitles, I don't think English was their their native language. There was just some moments where like the, the words, the grammar was wrong. And, it, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, it, it just feels, it makes the movie feel choppy. It's a very complicated plot, which seems silly to say, you know, because in a way it's like a very straightforward uh, action plot, right? And the, the yeah. Bad guys, good guys, shoot, you know, but at the same time, there's so much going on and so much of it relies on the dialogue to explain it, to, to take you from one place to another. And 
I was also having a hard time following it, you know? And I, about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in, I was like, it has to be the subtitles. It has to be the way that it, they're translating things. Because it was, I just felt like I was having to work extra hard to understand what these people were saying. And dude, I mean, if you, when you compound that over three hours, it really wears you out. So the captions only take you so far in a movie with a plot that's nearly impossible to follow. But I, I think that maybe it's a lot easier to follow if if you have good subtitling. You know, I I could have used like a little more hand holding with the dialogue. I, I I think that why was why was Jose the first mask guy? Why was he like explain that to me? Oh, I, I mean the logic behind it, I can't explain. I can't. Oh, okay. I, no, but I'm just talking about like the. The basic stuff, right? Like there's there's so many characters and there's so many like the plot about the what was going on with the drugs and the missing container, I I was feeling really dumb because it's like I I I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Who's looking for what and why? And they kept bringing up things that I felt like I should have known. Uh I, I just think that the the subtitles led you down. There's a lot of other problems, but I think that that it's not just that the subtitles didn't help me. I think the subtitles worked against me because they were sometimes confusing, like adding to a confusing plot. They were just confusing things more by just not being clear. I mean, you know, I watch plenty of dumb action movies that don't make sense and that doesn't make them difficult to get through. This was difficult to get through. A, mm-hmm. So uh, so there it is. <laughs> get ready for... Band-Aids off. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for... Uh, uh, rather negative real talk but we will also celebrate i guess by comparison what has worked in in all these other indian movies that we watched in the past uh but before we get to that alex let's let's do some quotes because uh there are some fresh tomatoes on that tomato meter page and starting with panos kotsadanasis from Asian movie polls, who says, as far as over-the-top action movies go, one would have to search very hard to find a movie better than Vikram in one of the best movies of the year. One of the best movies okay. of the year, Alex. And you have to search very hard to find a movie better than that. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't 2022, I don't know. Uh, Halloween ends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's shorter, I'll give it that. Um Pramit Chatterjee from Digital Mafia Talkies says, Is Vikram worth a watch? Yes, definitely. Even if it's half enjoyable and half trashy, ultimately that's Kamal Hassan, Vijay Setupathi, and Fahad Fasil on the big screen. You have to see it to believe it. And here, Alex, I, I, I do want to bring up something. I don't know if you came across it. I don't know how much you read about this uh, afterwards, but the guy that plays Vikram, you know, the guy on the poster, he seems to be kind of a big deal. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. those of you who are familiar with, with these movies, you're like, of course he is. <laughs> I, I didn't know. First time I've seen him in anything. And, uh, but I, I, I feel like there is this meta aspect to him showing up in this movie that definitely drives up the excitement if you're familiar with him, right? It would be, uh, I think, kind of like uh, when Schwarzenegger stopped acting because he became the governor of California. And then he came back when he was done with politics and it was a big yeah. deal. I, I feel like just, I just did a quick reading through like some of the trivia and all that stuff. And I feel like that's something like that. Um, even to the point that he seems to be reprising a character that he 
he played years before. There's apparently there's a previous Vicar movie where he's a black ops operative. And I think that that's kind of what this movie's referencing. So yeah, there is a Vikram from 1986. That this movie is a spiritual successor to, and it stars this, the, the same guy, right? Kamal Hassan. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, that's pretty baller. And yeah, this, the second installment in the Lokesh cinematic universe. <laughs> following Karthi. The LCU. I mean that is that is something that obviously doesn't help you or me when we're watching this movie. <laughs> it's like, well, that's great, but I didn't know, and I, I, I didn't know I had to do the homework, you know. But it no, is, but it also falls in line with that video game tie-in I made. It's like fucking, I, I get it. If especially if you were, you know, an adolescent when it came out in 1986, it's like Metal Gear Solid. First Metal Gear Solid, obviously the spacing time apart is different but like when did four come out four came out in like 2007 and the original one would have come out in like 98 and you know i was a little kid playing a snake and then i get to be snake again like you know 10 years later that's fucking cool so like i get the the idea and the appeal of someone watching this or maybe having grown up on the movie and then watching it here as you mentioned that doesn't do much for us um this is not Hancock and again again, this is not a movie I'm going to tell someone like they're wrong for thinking it's good um, or that I'm going to be like judgmental (laughs) like Curtis likes this that's fucking cool man but for you and I any of this information that we know not only does it not do anything for us but when we're not enjoying it to begin with what it definitely does is it doesn't make us want to go and learn more about it you know, and after how fucking awesome I thought Carty was in this, it's like, I don't want to see the next one, dude. If it's going to be like this, it's just, it's too much, man. There is the cultural difference of the length being like, this is normal. Like, not for me, dog. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to say I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean there, there is, there are other elements uh, that I think can enrich the experience of watching Vikram, but those elements did not affect us at all. Because it was they were not going to, you know, we're not familiar with any of the meta stuff that's that's taking place here. But it's there. And you know, there is something to be said for the fact that it's there. But when this guy, when Pramit Chatterjee is saying that's Kamal Hassan, Vijay Sethupati, and Fahad Fasil on the big screen, I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, I can mm-hmm. infer what it means. <laughs> These three actors are a big deal that, you know, that they're together in a in a movie, but uh, I'll take your word for it. You know, when I'm watching the movie, it doesn't feel like anything, or at least I don't feel that importance. Uh, one more quote before we get to to Brandon Curtis himself. Uh, here's Peter DeBruge from Variety, who says, "If Hollywood can justify making sequels to Rambo and Top Gun more than three decades on, why can't Hollywood do the same?" I don't know what. That's fair. It, it is fair. I don't know. The first time I've heard of Hollywood, you didn't say Bollywood. How do you spell it? K O. You know, like Hollywood with a K. All right, so it appears as though Hollywood is a name for Tamil cinema because Bollywood, it has to be Hindi language, I believe, to be considered Bollywood. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. I mean, that's why wouldn't they just call it Tollywood with a T? <laughs> well, it's funny you ask that. So Indian cinema is broken down into many different uh classifications for uh for example punjab is pollywood 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get complicated, Alex. <laughs> oh, it's I'm looking at the list here of like the Indian cinema denominations, and uh I've already mispronounced enough words today that I'm I'm not gonna keep trying to jump into this, but there's let's just say there's a Jollywood, Tollywood, uh Dollywood, and not, you know, Dolly Parton's residence, Gollywood, Bollywood, Mollywood, Hollywood, Pollywood, Sollywood, Tollywood. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here comes Randa and Curtis to the rescue <laughs> to get us out of this. He's cashing in. <laughs> Uh, so he said the series of messages. The first off has nothing to do with his opinion on the movie. It's just a, a screenshot of this tweet. And it's somebody that tweeted, Jaffer Sadiq is so hot and nobody's brave enough to talk about it. And then he says, this is for the pod. This girl I follow on Twitter talking about how hot the pint-sized henchman from Vikram is. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Dylan Danis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess his real name is Jaffer Sadiq. If you like them hairy, then yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Here's here's a, a Brandon Curtis review. It says, A glorious piece of myth-making that often feels like it wants to be of a piece with the Dark Knight Rises. Alex, <laughs> we made that comparison. Uh, it might be an easy comparison to make when you've got men in masks and some digitally altered Bane sound-alike voices coming at you, and yet it's not such a cheap comparison. It feels, as with Rises, more importantly, like the story of a city in the thrall of evil, and one of good men who rise to the occasion from their own pits of despair. Vikram is also patient, sprawling, bold, and silly. It is everything you expect from Indian cinema, while also not being the least bit shy about what it loves and what it owes a debt to. Be it older Tamil films, a burgeoning cinematic universe, or contemporary American films. Lokesh Kanagarash has never not made something for me, and Vikram is the most for me thing I've seen in quite some time. And then he sent a follow-up, and that says, There's been a long history of Vikrams in the past year. Kamal Hassan as Vikram for our purposes, Vijay Sethupathi, who should be referred to by either his full name or VG, VJS, as the villain in the remake of Vikram Veda, Shah Rukh Khan, who you know as the Elvis surrogate in Lal Singh Shada, that's the Forrest Gump remake, <laughs> as Vikram Rathor in Jawan, Nagarjuna Akineni, father of Nagashatanya Lal Singh Shada's Baba, <laughs> as Vikram Naidu in The Ghost, Actor Vikram, who starred in the Tamil hit Ponin Selvan with Karthi, whose brother Surya cameos as Rolex in the climax of Vikram. Brandon, I this just reads like a list of names. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that it's, this... Um, <laughs> fuck, it's uh, when Ron Swanson goes to the woodworking awards and... He goes, oh my God, that's Christian Bexfort. And he's freaking out. And Leslie and um, <laughs> fuck, what's Zena's name in that show? I can't remember. But they kind of just are like, okay. Like, I can just imagine Curtis like coming out of the theater naming all this. And you and I are just like, all right. But that's, I mean, I can't think of a better example, better, better proof of just where he is when he watches this movie and where we are. Oh, yeah. Right? It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's exactly, yeah, it's, I'm not. <laughs> definitely not trying to shame him for that either because there's plenty of examples of times where I'd 
go off about something and everyone else is like, okay, or you, you, you know, this, oh, this guy's from uh, Iron Man 97. <laughs> so. Yeah. Br- Brandon's spotting all the chainsaws and we, we didn't catch a single one. Oh yeah. One. That, that, that fly over our heads. Yeah. Um, and then he later sent me another message saying, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this, but thanks to the opening dance number in Bikram, where they pull their shirts up on their heads, I can't think about Cornholio anymore without saying bass. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. So uh, there you go. If you clicked on this because you wanted to hear somebody speak positively of Vikram in a genuine, sincere manner, or <laughs> that's Brandon Curtis coming to the rescue. Because that that was as sincere as it comes, and this is like like he says, this is for him. That's this is a movie that was made for him in a way. Uh, in just like him, I'm sure there are plenty of people that that are getting exactly what they needed from this movie. Uh, this was a big hit. I remember if you told me this before we started recording, or or in the middle of Contreras Quarter, but this this was a massive financial success, right? Uh yes, this was a sensation. And as listed on Wikipedia, which again, asterisk with it, but it has it ranked as the 22nd highest grossing Indian film of all time. RRR, that movie you mentioned, is number three. Uh, Vikram, on a 120 crore budget, made 500 crore, which roughly translates to a $15 million budget, raking in a $60 million box office return. So definitely made its money back. Uh, owing to the film's success, Kamal Hassan, in an interview with Pink Villa, asserted the possibility of a sequel to Vikram. And there were also reports stating that the film would be the third sequel to Vikram, which will be part of the Lokesh Cinematic Universe. I mean, the way this ends, it's obvious that it's going to come to a head with the characters from uh, Karthi and Vikram as well. Or that's the intended goal. Right. Man, have Singham show up. Clean house. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> That's how you get me to watch whatever the next movie in this story is. Get Singham in there, Uh, which it's kind of a nice segue into those of you who are not on the Patreon channel. This is not even us trying to get you to go to the Patreon channel. This is just you don't need to have watched the movies that we watch to, you know, uh, watch Vikram. But I do feel like having watched them gave us at least it gave me something to compare to. Now, Singham is Hindi, not Tamil, so... Right. I don't know how... Well, yeah, I don't know how drastic the distinctions are. I just want to make sure we're clear that we know that and to not offend anybody or be very uh, egotistical American of just, well, they can right. They can do it the way we do it. Yeah, but, yeah. The, but there's, I guess, on a broader sense, if you're looking at... There are things that, that they have in common. Right, all most of these movies that we watched, uh, that Brandon kind of like threw away, they are uh, action packed, except for uh, Virata Parvam, the, the the romantic one. You know that one had some action scenes, but for the most part, it was just kind of like this, just really slow romance. But for the most part, you know, action packed. The action is very stylized. <laughs> There's nothing realistic about this. Uh, musical numbers and uh, really long. Long run times, you know, and that that applies kind of like almost across the board that everything we've watched. But but there's I was somewhere- reading. We talk about this in our previous episodes also, but I was kind of reading more of like the ideology is a movie in the Indian culture is a night away from home 
And by that, they mean like a night away. So <laughs> three hours, you know, minimum type thing. Right. You, Whereas, you want you to get your money's yeah. worth. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, they, they pack them with all the stuff, with the musical numbers and the action sequences and the comedy and the romance and everything, everything. And But all this to say that you can have all those elements in common and yet the execution varies wildly to where you have on one end of the spectrum, I think, uh, Vikram, where all that is there and it just wasn't working for me. And or I brought up the subtitles, but even like taking aside the subtitles, it's just there's just something in the 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 way this was shot that made it so hard for me to focus. I, I don't know if you had that experience, but it was just uh, the director so erratic. Yeah, and he, there is just some shit CG in this too. There's some awesome violence. This is easily the most violent movie we've done in terms of just brute like. Uh, I mean, Garthy was pretty fucking violent, but this is just dudes getting shot in the head innocent women getting decapitated that type of thing and um man master which is the one i did where you did carthy it's one or two kids that get murdered and then they hang their corpses so (laughs) (laughs) rock and roll yeah i I think that one like fucked me up a little more than the decapitated woman in this one which was also kind of like a whoa moment but 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 you're right also like there is not it doesn't feel like there's one shot that lasts longer than three seconds in this entire movie. Yeah. That, that one of my early notes is just this movie needs to calm down. <laughs> I was like, can you let me catch up? You know, it's like it, it goes in running and I, I feel like it was assuming that I was with it. And when I was several paces behind, I, I could never catch up because he just kept going and going and going. And I mean, some people like that, that, that type of filmmaking. I, I like it sometimes i think that if the story justifies it here a lot of the time it just felt like okay we're gonna shoot it this way and cut it this way to make it a little livelier because if we shot it a more traditional way maybe the audience would realize that this is really not that exciting (laughs) you know what i mean like there's there's a lot of like the investigation is not that captivating at least i didn't think it was these black ops dudes are not really uh they're not involved in this massive mystery. You know, it just felt like a lot of like smoke and mirrors on the side of the, on the part of the filmmaker, just to bamboozle us and to make it all look, uh, you know, more interesting than it really was. That's how I felt. I, I was not with the movie in that sense. And it was, in fact, that's another thing that was just exhausting, you know, trying to keep up with it visually. So that's on one end. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, there are things that, I don't know, I always go back to Singham, which was the first one we did. Singham. And and I know it has the, the benefit of maybe because it was the first, everything felt really fresh. But that movie, I mean, it felt, uh, even though I wasn't crazy about it, I, I'm trying to remember. I think I ended up giving it like two and a half or something at, on Letterboxd, something along those lines. But there were some things where it's not just that I could follow the story, but there was uh, I could appreciate the filmmaking on it so much more. Even though that one, as far as like, cheesy over-the-top comedy that one is a lot worse than uh, <laughs> than this one but there was i feel like the highs were higher and then you you know you kind of have everything in between and and so there's it's like a wide spectrum of movies that are long that have musical sequences that have stylized action and that have this sort of uh throw everything at the wall approach <laughs> in mm-hmm. the storytelling and yet you know sometimes they work better than others uh so this might be out of the 10 movies on our 
contrarian's repertoire we've had, you know, kind of this one. This might be so out of the eleven. This might be the weakest. So I agree with you there. But is there anything that you can bring up out of this one where you say, well, at least this one excelled in this part? Like there's something that this one has that the other ones didn't have. Something this does very well is reminds or could show someone who's kind of unaware, uneducated of the fact that, you know, their culture isn't the dominant one of. I really like the guys that cook the the meal and then, of course, Rolex of like the way the movie presents them is like, I'm supposed to know who they are, but I don't. So that makes me go and research like who they are, look up who they are to find out more about that for myself and like why they're important to that culture, et cetera, et cetera. I more so than the other ones we've done. There's definitely like those moments of like, Oh, I'm supposed to know who this is. You know, it'd be like if someone from India who wasn't familiar with uh, American North American actors watched interstellar and that scene where Matt Damon's revealed and it would be that of like, well, I don't know who that is, but I'm clearly supposed to, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, that's I'm drawn a blank <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> I like the opening number, the, the opening musical number. I yeah, I yeah. Gave props in the first corner, and that, those were genuine. I agree, and you know, it's I've never disliked any of the musical numbers that we've come through with this, and I, I've I find that to be such an endearing part of the filmmaking process with Indian cinema is the. It's not even an homage. It's just embedded. It's part of it. There will be a musical number and it'll be very good. And the people will be very enthusiastic about it. And that's just part of the experience. I, I enjoy that. So I, I'm with you on that as well. Yep. It's it's funny um, because it doesn't even have to do with the story. It's more like the introduction to this guy, to, to the actor. You know what I mean? And I guess it kind of makes even more sense when you know that this is a, a well-known actor that's reprising a role that he was known for. Because uh, that that entire dance number, it doesn't really come into play with what happens later in the movie. You know, he's just there, like chilling, dancing. <laughs> That's it. Like even the opening number of Singham, you know, it's like him coming out of the lake or whatever naked. But there's like, oh well, you know, it is Singham. It it is like the the character of Singham, you know singing about how much of a badass he is whereas like this opening number it just feels like it's the actor like it's kamal hassan saying hey i'm here in dancing not the character but him uh, so that, that's cool i mean i i honestly could have used more of that sprinkled throughout the movie like a single dress corner i could could have used a few more musical numbers even master like i said there he there's like an opening number where they introduce the character and it's just him dancing with like a bunch of other people and then when he gets to the prison there's a musical number where it's just him introducing himself to the kids at the prison and bonding with them a little bit. And I, I'm with you. That's one of the most uh, endearing, I think, aspects of, of these movies. So when you get to see those big numbers, especially when they're group numbers, and you get to see everybody dancing together. Like the, the dance choreography is usually pretty ingenious. Nice. Um. You know, sometimes I feel kind of timid about discussing foreign films because the last thing I want to do is like, I already know I'm an American asshole. But the last thing I want to do is like broadcast that on the Internet where the world can access it and find something that makes me sound like an American asshole. So I want to be like, I don't want to be like, well, the way we do movies here is just so I'm grateful, extremely grateful that Curtis has helped us have this uh, just, um, you know, not quite a library, but this pool 
uh, to pull from of experiences with Tamil, Hindi cinema, modern cinema specifically in India that, you know, we can compare and contrast what we do and we don't like. And I, I, the first time we did this, you know, Singham, it was a bit of a culture shock. And we talked a lot about like, all right, this is a bit different than, you know, what we're used to. And, you know, the runtime is an issue kind of just by what we use to judge or, you know, the merit that we find. But we've had enough experience with it now to understand what the the goals and just not even that, just understand how they make movies, who they make movies for, why they make movies, what what they're supposed to do. And I just found none of this engaging in the way that I have found some of the other movies we've discussed. So that's kind of it. It's a lot of this real talk portion has been me accepting the fact that I guess I can judge at least moderately fairly because I do have experience with the modern scene there uh, and a decent amount too. It's not like I've just seen one movie. Um, And like I texted you when we were talking about it, having immediate recent experience with the director and writer of this movie in the movie that he made to lead into this and how much I loved that movie. uh, It just, that magic that I found there that worked so well for me is completely gone in this. And um, it feels that movie's very over the top, very diehard, you know, whatever comparisons we were making in the first portion. But this one, it seems to want to take that to a degree that's purely comedic. And it's just that's where I'm just kind of and Curtis calls out the excess and like, you know, the over the top nature of it. Maybe on a different day, maybe on a, in a different year, it would have done something more for me. But man, I had such a hard time getting through this, and like, um, which disappointed me because of how much I I did enjoy Carthy, and I I I'd be open to giving when the third one comes out, I'd be open to giving it a shot because at this point, you know, we're dealing with a literal yin and a yang as far as my enjoyment goes. Um, but. Is that fair? Are we fair to say at this point, at least with our experience, we can comment a little bit more than just if we had just watched, if this was the first Indian movie that we had watched on the podcast? Yeah, I think that we have at least a little bit of context. That's why I was. That's why I wanted to list the ones that we've watched and, and kind of set up the, the spectrum because I have enjoyed most of the, the ones that we've watched, you know, I've enjoyed them more than I did this one. And they were easier watches. Like, Virata Parvam was probably the one that was the hardest to watch, but it's also the one that's the most different. So it's almost, that's like, stands yeah. on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was not an action movie. That was not, hardly ever tried that to be was way more of like, soap opera romance mm-hmm. type stuff. Yeah, so so I, I really wouldn't count that one. And, but all the other ones, they were, uh, they had their harsh spots, but it was always, you know, it, it was not like this where I was just really uh, having a hard time. And, and you know, when I think about it, when I was trying in the corner, I was trying to think of the plot and you boil it down to like the basic elements. Like it could have been a movie that I enjoyed. It, it, the I think that there's a basic idea of the black ops guy that is charged with solving a murder mystery and that murder mystery leads him to meeting his predecessor. You know, the, the previous version of the guy he is, <laughs> the, the previous Black Ops guy. And and he goes from hunting this guy down to teaming up with him against a corrupt police force. I mean, that is a movie and that is a movie that I can understand. And that is a movie that can be 
exciting and have action set pieces and you can deal with like what I thought was the best aspect of this, which is uh, the inability of this Black Ops team to have a life. Like I thought that they set that up as in like, well, they can't have family. They can't have loved ones because of their life. And then immediately they're like, oh, but this guy is engaged. <laughs> and then yeah. and not only is he engaged, but he's engaged with somebody who's very understanding of his life. And of course, eventually goes south. So it's like, okay, keep more of that. You know, that is uh understanding is being extremely polite. Yes, but but it did I mean, it was something that I'm not used to. So I, I actually welcomed that element. I was like, it, it is not believable. But I'm like, all right, where are we going with this? Right? Like, because what you expect is for for this type of character to to kind of like nag or or be an obstacle. And I thought that maybe the way that they were developing was that she was going to become an asset, right? Even though she's trying to be very respectful of of what he does. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna ask you. Eventually she was going to end up helping him. You know, when when she She's that scene where she's with the prisoner and she fight, she she figures out that Vikram's still alive. I'm like, okay, so she she gotta be part of the team now, maybe. But no, I mean, they, in the end, sadly, she's just there so that she can be a casualty in the in the third act, and that's kind of like a, that's a bummer. But the idea that there's this guy that's the leader of this Black Ops team and he breaks the rules by having a relationship, and then that eventually leads to tragedy. I mean, that's kind of cool, you know, and and. And it kind of ties in with the drama of his predecessor, of Vikram, who also has a family that that's his weak spot, right? He's they killed his son, and now his grandson is is the biggest Achilles heel that he has because they can go after the grandson to get at him. And he's there are elements there, but he doesn't are, even really care about his son. Well, yeah, he's not, he's not doing it for revenge; he's doing it for the country, I guess. But <laughs> I jest, but it, they, he does have that Oscar scene where he explains that he's doing it for the country and not. Uh, himself personally that does have hopefully translated directly a tremendous line of dialogue where he says yesterday's freedom fighters song is our national anthem today I thought that was easily the best line of dialogue in the whole movie that's funny because I wrote Uh, down the one that's before that one when he says one man's terrorism is another man's revolution (laughs) well I guess the point of that is we both thought that was one of the most impactful, <laughs> if not the most impactful scenes of the movie. Well, yeah. And that's also a, a cool moment, right? Because th- that is character driven in a way that makes sense because you are expecting him. It's to also be acted in a way that's what we're used to as far as like intense, right. dramatic delivery and emotional and whatnot. Right. It's 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 well performed and it, it kind of turns the table on you as the viewer because you also expect them to be going after revenge. You think that you're he, they're doing this, he's doing this to avenge his son, and then it turns out that he he has bigger plans. I was like that that scene is so much better, so more much more engaging than everything else that happens in the third act. Like all the action shenanigans and the big the cannon. Like <laughs> the thing with the old timey cannon, like that was cool for like, I don't know, a minute. You know, <laughs> yes. when he first shoots it, I'm like, oh, that's funny. But th- that's it. I mean, I that doesn't carry the power of, of the other scenes, like the, the 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 things that really worked. So the elements to make a movie that would appeal more to me are there. And of course, it's like, well, who gives a fuck? Because they didn't make the movie for me. They make the movie for the people that loved it and went to see it. But since you're listening to Contrarians and it's Alex and I, like the least I can do is explain why I didn't like it and what I think could have made me like it better. 
there's that, you know? And, and you know what? Uh, to the list of movies, I'll add RRR, which I have watched and I enjoyed tremendously. Mm. Uh, that's also something that Brandon had recommended. I mean, not directly through the podcast, but, you know, when it came out, he was telling me about how good it was. And I eventually watched it because he was nominated for the Oscars. And I was like, oh, holy shit. It is actually as good as everybody says. It was, it's like three hours long. <laughs> it's everything that we've been talking about, right? Three hours long, action packed, very stylized musical numbers at the Wazoo. It, it silly comedy, <laughs> romance, everything. But it's out of all of them that I've seen, like that's the one that has the, the best balance, I think, out of all those elements. And it, there is a very uh, emotional, solid conflict at the center of it, right? There's these two guys who are friends, but also they don't know that they're destined to be enemies. And it, that that's it works really well. It works so much better than anything here in, in Vikram. So sorry, it's, it's not going to be a high score. <laughs> yeah. Is this an F, Alex? Mm. It's teetering. The pacing is just so rough. And I, I mean that by any measure. Um, I don't know. I've enjoyed the, this has been one of those times where I've enjoyed this episode. So it's probably going to build the movie up in my mind a little bit more and push it up to a D. Uh, when I put it on letterbox, we're probably talking about a one star. And so I, I feel bad because I saw Curtis has it as a five star review on letterbox. And obviously his words are passionate ones as typically come from the mouth of Brandon Curtis. But, um, I am as as hard of a time as I had getting through this movie. What this discussion has made me realize is that I'm grateful that uh, not only we have a podcast that people listen to, but the idea of this and specifically Curtis is kind of built this, um, you know, koi pond of <laughs> Indian movies that we have, you know, experience with to now say we kind of understand at least from a modern perspective what what the intention is with these movies they make that doesn't mean this was good this fucking sucks <laughs> i had a miserable time watching this movie and um the only thing that can motivate me to see what comes after this is how much i loved carty so it's it's an ebb and a flow it's a give and a take as they say uh, a d i can't say f because we were just talking about that one scene and everything and everything that's fresh in my mind. I can't go all the way, but a, a, a low, low grade D we're talking like a 62%. Like when you're right on the line and you know, it's not even a D plus at this point, you're not going to graduate with it. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I was, I was going to give it one star. You've talked me into one and a half. It's hey, the, the, for me, it's the opening musical number. Uh, it is the just what I was just talking about, like the seeds of something that could have turned into a movie that I liked, you know, just those tiny personal touches. I do think, <laughs> I'm kidding aside, I do think Argentina, that, that sequence was was fun. I didn't really care for the other. Are you serious? I thought you were kidding because I thought that would be the thing you hated. Like the grandma that becomes a badass and starts kicking ass. I should have, right? Like that is, but. I think that's that's hilarious. She, she's not a grandma for one. So like the joke is not like, oh, she's old and she's and she's a badass. So I think that it's not Cloris Leachman doing spinning wheel kick. Exactly. Exactly. It's not that Lily Tomlin in Into the Spider-Verse. It's <laughs> so I it's it's more like, oh, well, she's a maid. 
And so May turning into a killing machine, I think I can take a lot better than Grandma turning into a killing machine. Uh, and also, I I mean, she's the only female character that kicks that gets to kick ass in three hours of movie. And I think that that was kind of refreshing. That's I, fair. I, I was not kidding. It is a bummer that she dies uh, because I was hoping that, you know, she would stick around. But there was something to that. And, and I mean, it doesn't make sense at all. Like, like the rest of the movie, right? You can't, if you start breaking it down, it's like, why doesn't she have a gun? <laughs> she knows that this, you know, she's been training to protect and the best she can do is like steak knives. She doesn't have a phone. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have a phone. She has to give that woman the number and be like, please call this. <laughs> How does that make sense? No, it's not even that, Alex. She has a phone, but for some reason she doesn't want to dial and then she ends up making the call anyway. <laughs> you remember? Like they, they pass the phone yes, back and yes, forth yes. like five, for five minutes and then with the guys like banging at the door, she finally calls her and says, hey, they're here. Like you could have done that five minutes ago. <laughs> It just it doesn't make sense, but still, you know, I just enjoyed her kicking ass. One and a half, it's not good. I also had a really bad time watching it. Um, like you said at the beginning of all this, it's not like I'm passing judgment on anybody who likes it. There are people who definitely don't like. Okay, Brandon, I I just remember that you have a very low opinion of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is a five star movie for me, <laughs> and. Uh, he, I just don't know why it doesn't work for him, and so it's just flipping the tables. That's 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 this. That's Vikram with me. I just I, I'm very happy that it's a five star movie for you, but it is not for me, at all. I'm I'm blanking, but you're right. Now I'm thinking about it. I it's on the tip of my tongue. There's some movie I fucking love and he detests. So it's <laughs> how it be sometimes, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. If we all like the same things, then life wouldn't be as as fun. Uh, but anyway, that was Vikram. That's we made it through, and uh, I don't know that this episode is going to inspire anybody to go watch the movie. Anybody that hasn't seen it, but you know what? I'll say this: don't let it discourage you from watching other Indian movies. So, <laughs> agreed. The, what we've described doesn't apply to every single three-hour-long action extravaganza from India. There are better ones, or at least there are, there are better ones for us, which means that if you are somebody who usually aligns with our taste, you probably find something else uh, uh, that you might enjoy. Uh, maybe on our Patreon channel. Check it out. <laughs> like how you snuck that in. Well done. It kind of has to. This is probably the episode that's tied the most to our Patreon feed, just because our Patreon feed is, has so many of these Indian excursions yeah. in it. Agreed. But still, I always appreciate a good plug. A good cheap plug, as they say. Julio, what is coming up next? Coming up next, we leave India behind and we just go full on American, Alex. What is more American than a Mark Wahlberg vehicle? Good God. Patron Sachin put in his pick of four brothers uh, for... Our next episode. Uh, that's a movie that I've seen once when it first came out. I really like that movie, so I'm fired up about this. Really, in a in a guilty pleasure way. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember enough to because it is it is silly, but it's it's a lot of fun. Is it John Singleton? Uh, yes, John Singleton. 
starring Garrett Hedlund, Mark Wahlberg, Sofia Vergara, Andre 3000, Chuetta Lefafor, Tyrese Gibbs. My God. Well, <laughs> I'm in. I guess I'm in no matter what, but yeah, I'm in. I, I don't remember much about it. I, I, I do know one of the brothers doesn't make it to the end, and I think I remember who, but we'll save that for the episode. Terrence um, Howard's in it, by the way. So Of course he is. Get ready for tears. <laughs> All right. Four brothers coming up next. It's it's a 52%, so we're going to treat it as rotten. It's lower than Vikram on the tomato meter. And it is half of the time? Uh, not quite. <laughs> half of the time and a quarter of the brothers. This movie costs $30 million to make. Fucking hell. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg ain't cheap, or he specifically wasn't in the mid two thousands. <laughs> Andrew three thousand. That's that's how much he got paid. All right, Julio. We got anything else to discuss, or is it time to get out of here? It's time to get out of here. All right, so then we'll move into our perennial plugs. We'll start off by giving thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand, take us home with Summer of Ninety Nine. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster Hans Rothieser is the man behind our logo and all the graphics on our webpage, our Patreon page, our merch page. That little tomato looking at himself in the mirror, that is Hans's work. So if you like it, let him know. Reach out to him on Twitter or X at Mildemonios, M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S or you can email him, Mildemonios at Hotmail.com and you can check out his website as well, Mildemonios.pe that's where you can just look at the rest of his work. He's a novelist, he has written a series of fantasy novels and zombie books and he's also a podcaster. He has a podcast about Peruvian current events called Nación Combi and a podcast about economy called Marginal. Hans, thank you for all your support. LateNightGrin.com for the best and most ridiculous in the field of professional wrestling podcasting. I'm featured monthly on their Grin Grappler show. This month we'll be discussing the career of Bam Bam Bigelow, quite the fantastic wrestler, and also uh, had a, a reference in this episode and a role in Major Pain, so it all ties together in the end somehow. LateNightGrin.com, the boys over there continue to help support us, so we will do the same for them. And speaking of support, there's no greater example of support for the Contrarians than that of Coriari, Zoe Perez, our social media team, uh, Facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime, YouTube.com slash at Contrarian Prime, Instagram at Contrarian Prime, images, graphics. Corey's fucking killing it continuously with our videos for uh, our quick video reviews and our warm-ups for each individual episode and also the shorts that he posts on our YouTube page. Go to our YouTube page. Subscribe. doesn't take much time. You don't even have to watch the videos. Just go subscribe. Help <laughs> help promote the algorithm. Get us out there. Get us going. Uh, but Corey, Zoe, we appreciate so dearly the work you've done for us. And we also continue to appreciate the support of our patrons as we are nearing the end of the patron takeover. Uh, what a journey it's been. And... Of course, in closing, we appreciate you, the listening public, for tuning in to yet another episode of The Contrarians where we're right and you're wrong, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.